Welcome to I May Be Dead, But I'm Still Pretty, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. We're a weekly-ish podcast where we take a look at each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 3, Episode 8, Lover's Walk. We're going to talk about plot. We're going to be talking about characters. We're going to be talking about standardized testing. So spoilers abound for this week's episode, every episode before it, after it, uh, comics, and uh, maybe even other shows and movies. Stay tuned. Oh, wait, I need to put on my radio announcer voice. If the apocalypse comes to beat me, stay tuned for your chance to win tickets to this year's Slayer pageant. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Do you want me to keep the putting on my radio voice? That's yes. Fine. Okay. Yeah, sure. I was going to anyway. Okay. Yeah, if, if time allows. I didn't know if that was yeah. for us or for them. Okay. Both. Hello. My name's Kelly, and I'm here today to talk to everyone listening. Uh, about Buffy the Vampire Slayer with my favorite co-hosts. Stacia, say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. If it wasn't for us, your only co-hosts, would we even be your favorites? Probably not. Sad. (laughs) Originally aired on November 24th, 1998, Lover's Walk was written by Dan Weber, who only writes this episode, and Daniel's favorite, The Zeppo. But he also wrote for Daria, Futurama, American Dad, The Simpsons, and Space Goes Coast to Coast. I actually like all of those things. I mean, American Dad is whatever, but uh, he's so funny. He's so fucking funny. And I really wish that he wrote for more of the show. It's really a shame that he only did two episodes because I think the humor in this episode and the Zeppo is a special brand that he, he like that, that meta, that like this show is silly. You guys know the show is silly, right? That no one else seems to really grasp. They get a little too into it sometimes. So I like that he has that about him. Um, directed by David Semmel. Uh, and this is the last one for the series. Famously, Never Kill a Boy on the First Day, which is where our namesake comes from. This is the 90s, the 1990s in point of fact, and I can do both. Clark Kent has a job. I just want to go on a date. Well, I suppose it was a fairly slim lead. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And look, I won't go far, okay? If the apocalypse comes, beat me. What's my line part two? Go fish. Uh, and this is the last one. So what happened in this episode? Do either of you know? I didn't watch it. Oh, me okay. All right, that's cool. Uh, do you guys want to leave? You can. I can just handle it from here. We just we riff on the plot. The so you. Hour. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no! It's still going. He's Mega off. Callback. He's off today. In yeah, the he is. Breakers Woods. Ooh. Uh, God, what is, is it? It's I got it something. in here. I don't okay. know where it is. So Willow and Xander's gross relationship is reaching a fever pitch, and it's got to stop. We got to cut it out. Um. And Willow, the first time, actually, I could mention this in the first, but the first time she really jumps to magic before even trying a human remedy, like talking about your feelings or just working on being a better person. Uh, She goes straight to magic. And lo and behold, our old friend Spike has rolled into town and happens to catch Willow in the act of buying her spell to delust Xander and herself. Uh, Spike decides that what's better than doing a spell yourself, getting a witch to do it for you. So he kidnaps Willow and Xander because he happens to be there. And runs, has a little adventure with Buffy, uh, trying to get Willow and Xander back. And then they get caught in the act. Willow and Xander get caught in the act, making out while they're held captive by Spike. Oz and Cordelia walk in on them, and uh, nobody's happy at the end. Except for Spike, who's having a great fucking time. So right. not, not a lot of plot movement. We just had a fun visit from Spike, and it, it was fantastic. Um, I love this episode for a lot of reasons that I'm sure... We'll talk about it in a minute, but I want to get your guys' first impression. A couple of firsts in this episode. Um, Oz smells willow. Gross. 
from like <laughs> a, <laughs> the biggest distance ever. At least when it happens again, because it only really happens in one other episode, uh, New Moon Rising. There, Tara's right next to him. He's like miles away, <laughs> and he smells well. Though. And at least Cordelia can be. They're both weirded out by it. At least Oz is weirded out by it. Uh, Spike's only appearance in season three. This really? Episode. Yeah. Which, oh, that's a bummer. But this episode made Joss Whedon want to make him a season regular so okay. next next season. But yeah, I know. I thought I thought for a minute that he showed up in uh, Doppelganger and the Wish. I thought it was uh, him and Drusilla showed up, but it was it's just Willow and Xander that torture Angel. It's not. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought Drusilla was the one doing it because she likes to do that. I guess. Charisma Carpenter actually has a scar on her stomach from an incident when she was five years old. She was playing in a construction yard around a, a pool that was being constructed and fell on a piece of rebar and it fucking impaled her when she was a kid. So this was like loosely based on her little injury, which wow. is interesting. Wow. That's cool. That's and scary. Do they ever show the scar? I don't think no. so, no. Because okay. she's like, they just show her like bandaged up, but they yeah. never really show her But again. if they had to, they were ready. But I, ready I, but I'm sure there's a scene in Angel where she's fucking topless for some reason. Like there can't not be. Uh, I mean, you do see her it, right with the gruselog, and then she's just wearing a bikini. Yeah, see, oh, totally, yeah, totally. Princess Leia yeah, stuff. Yeah. This yeah. was the first episode too. I thought about when like Angel and Buffy are like breaking up. I was like, oh, Cordelia's single now too. You guys should just get together now <laughs> instead of later. No, that was the first time I've had that thought because <laughs> Cordelia also a child. Well, that's <laughs> Angel's thing. Ugh. So. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> And apparently James Marsters really burnt the shit out of his hand during that scene where he wakes up in the fountain. Oh, no. um, and but Did they played... light his hand on fire? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Wow. Um, I couldn't get any more information on it, but uh, apparently he was playing it cool through the rest of the scene and then was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then immediately went to the hospital after they finished filming. So. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Crazy. Pretty intense. Um, I like this episode a lot. It's very funny and well-written. Uh, as I mentioned already, Dan Weber, I think, does a great job. Um being really aware of how silly the show can be and then still getting some drama out of it. Like that last scene, the, the acoustic music does make it, the, the sad montage does make it a little over the top, but some heavy shit happens. That conversation between Angel and Buffy when they're breaking up and, and Spike's little monologue about you guys aren't friends is like some great writing that isn't necessarily humorous, but adding that levity of, of Spike as a whole uh, just really punches it up. I'm forever going to hate Willow and Xander. Right. And that really brings it down for me. I guess that this is the point of the show. But it's still like it's not over. Even though they've kissed and now they suddenly apparently no longer have feelings for each other. Which doesn't even make sense. We still have to deal with episodes of Willow being tragic. And somehow you end up feeling bad for her. Which just makes me madder. And Oz being like the saddest. And Do you think that their ship name is Zillow or Wander? Because I really hope it's Wander. Because <laughs> that's so great. I'm sorry. Daniel, what do you think about the episode? <laughs> Never say that again. <laughs> I think I, this episode was fine. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Oh, it's man. not as like... I mean, Spike is fun. Shut your gob. The Spike is fun. with yeah. him and Joyce is fun. Totally. Oh, my God. That's Just probably like the best scene. Behind Joyce doing all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, doing like the little vampire face and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's full of... It's chock full of really great moments, but I just don't... I don't think it all works together. Uh, the whole f- the fight scene where, like, whatever that guy's name is. Lenny. Lenny shows up with all of his <laughs> mm-hmm. cohorts. And they're going to let the fucking Slayer and, like, demigod angel slash twilight slash angelus just go. Like, you guys can just go. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? What? No, Aren't you guys trying to take out the Slayers and that the point isn't all 
doesn't everybody go after them? I don't get it. That whole fight was worth Fucking Angel hate. being crushed under a door. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. These Why are points that up? need to be made later <laughs> in the proper context. But no, the, the episode itself, initial thoughts, is it's really good. It's like continuing on, but we are from Band Candy on a downward, I feel like downward slope. Um, do you know the next episode is The Wish? I'm excited. Yeah. We're going to... Oh, okay. we'll get back up, so hopefully. this is just a momentary divot. Yeah, I just think it's you, it's hard to keep the momentum from a, a, an episode as high as Man Candy. Uh, even though he's really great, I do enjoy him a lot. And and the no no uh, Dan, oh, Dan and the writing is top notch. This this episode I, I couldn't. It took me so long to take all the quotes and everything you're going to listen to in this episode. I, I just was stopping every four seconds and like grabbing mm-hmm. just quote after quote. Even if I'm not going to use half of them, I'm like this will be mm-hmm. relevant later. Oh, they're talking about this. They're talking about that. Like I can't wait to use them in some context later on. So. Yeah, I think that Spike is the episode for me, and uh, this is like perennial spike meaning that he in season two he was touted as a villain even though he never super got there he was supposed to be a a violent thing to be scared of and this like the comical shenanigan blundering i mean buffy pointing out even like i'm sure they're just at the factory because he's he's an idiot uh it's just like how spike is for the rest of the show until we get scary spike uh scary spice after um scrapey spike scrapey spike yeah no no yes. <laughs> thank you for that love's a funny thing um so the i think the obvious thing to talk about in this episode the the central theme uh, of the episode is standardized testing and i would like to learn about standardized testing if you can enlighten me stacia about the sats or maybe even other tests be great. I hate they make us take that thing. It's totally fascist, and personally, I think it uh, discriminates against the uninformed. All right, so a little overview. The SATs were first introduced in 1926, so they've been around for almost 100 years. Dang. Although the name and the um, scoring has changed multiple times over the years. Is it standardized Not... aptitude test? What is it supposed to stand for? All right, so it was originally <laughs> short for scholastic aptitude test, and then scholastic assessment test, and then the SAT one reasoning test sat reasoning test i took out the one and now it's just simply the sat hmm. um so the latest iteration of the sat like the latest major change was in 2016 so the current ca- test costs 45 dollars and it offers you three hours to complete the test but you can do an optional essay if you choose to it costs 57 dollars, and you get an extra 50 minutes to write 50 minutes to write your essay um and you can get scores ranging from 400 to 1600. 1600 is a perfect score. Right. And it's broken over two sections, math and critical reading slash writing, each worth 800. Um, and the SAT or the ACT is required to be admitted into most colleges and universities in the U.S. The ACT is like, it's not like a sister test. It was a similar test also meant, they're both meant to essentially calculate a student's readiness for college, however you want to define that. The tests aren't supposed to be based on knowledge that you can cram, but just like your general problem-solving skills. Uh, But the ACT was introduced in 1959. You get two hours and 55 minutes to do it, um, and it has English, math, reading, science sections, and then an optional writing section, which gives you an extra 40 minutes if you're doing that. Um, And the max score you can get on the ACT is 36, but the average score is 21. Um, if you, they're basically interchangeable for colleges, they'll usually require one, but you don't have to have both. 
and each one has its like pluses and minuses for how you're going to score. If you want more time to finish all of your questions, the ACT gives you like 20 seconds more per question hmm. than the SAT does. But otherwise, they're pretty equivalent. So the SAT originally it grew out of an essay test. The first sort of iteration um, was given in 1901. It included sections on English, French, German, Latin, Greek, history, mathematics, chemistry, and physics. Wow. And it did not have multiple choice. They were all essay questions that were graded on a scale from, on a scale with excellent, good, doubtful, poor, and very poor. <laughs> we just thought that was very fun. Doubtful. Doubtful. <laughs> good try. Yeah. Um, but the first real SAT was administered in 1926. And this is a sample question from the test that oh. existed. Uh, <clears throat> which... If a woman talks back to you. Sorry. <laughs> no. No. It's more frustrating than that. (laughs) Which three of the following words are most closely related? Oh, no. It's going to get real bad real quick. It's just weird. Okay. Chops, liver, round, four-quarter, rump, sirloin. Which ones are most related? Yes. Rump, sirloin. I mean, they're all meat. Most closely related. Yes, they're all meat. Oh. Chops, liver, round, four-quarter, rump, sirloin. You have to have intimate butcher knowledge to pass <laughs> so this SAT. Maybe they're also in the moment cutting up. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Wait, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. guess rump and four quarter. No, because four is the front. Shit. Oh. What was it again? Chops, <laughs> liver. Not chops. Not liver. Round. Chopped liver. Four quarter rump and sirloin. Round and rump. There's three. You have to pick a third one. Sirloin. Yes. That's oh my correct. god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope. all in the back half of the cow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, yeah. yeah, so it had a very confusing comparison section. Apparently, one of the uh, questions actually offered six brand names and asked students to pick the three most closely related. Oh, capitalism! What does that even mean? Especially it also had a section called "Imagined Language," where the people taking the test were given rules for fake language that didn't exist and passages from the fake language, and then asked to translate it into English. Holy shit! That's intense. That's cool. That's really cool, though. So that got axed real quickly. That's not real anymore, obviously. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, so, it's kind of just dumbed down in general. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they've made a lot of changes over the years. The most recent ones actually happened like in the 90s forward. So in 1994, students were now permitted to use calculators during the math section. Mm-hmm. Not all of it. You still have like a 20-question section you have to do without a calculator. Mm-hmm. But you can use it. In 1995, they recentered the mean to 500, so that's like the average score before they'd like raised it up and messed up everything and then suddenly people couldn't get perfect scores anymore and everything tanked and universities were upset and it was like this whole deal so they recentered it and they're like no no that's fine we'll bring it back down 2002 they offered score choice which the ACT has offered I think since its inception basically instead of if you took take the SAT multiple times instead of having to submit every single um, score that you get to all the colleges you apply to you can choose just your best score Hmm. 2005, they introduced an essay section that increased the score to 2,400 points. Did you do that one? I did. I think I did it the year they introduced it, and it was really weird and confusing. Yeah. Um, and so I looked it up because there are average scores for every single year that it's existed, and the average score in 1998. <laughs> yeah. Math, 512, and reading, 505, for a combined score of 1017, mm. which means Buffy is way above average at 1430. And yeah. Xander combined is below 740 yeah <laughs> okay that's and giving I us good info guess because willow said she got a 740 on verbal uh what is she 
Well, out of Black 800, John right? Yokel, like, yeah. she probably got close to a perfect score, oh, like yeah. 15, 20 mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Totally. Did you take the SAT in I college, did. Daniel? And the ACT, ACT, ACT? as well. Mm-hmm. Did you? They, it's so confusing. How did to you be do? Like, did you study? I did better on those. I'm a good test taker. And I think that like my, mm-hmm. that general knowledge type of problem solving I'm good at, I was a bad student. So like that really <laughs> helped me Yeah. because all I wanted to do was be a punk rocker and I <laughs> failed like my entire freshman year. So the fact that I could like make that up as I got better at school mm-hmm. and then that was strong. I don't remember the exact scores for either one, but it was enough to get me into college. And then from there, uh, transferred to a better school. And did you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't take the ACT. I took the SAT Yeah. and I do remember what I got. I got... 650 verbal and 600 oh, nice. math. Okay. So 1250 total. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I, is, that sounds about it's where strong, I strong, but it's not amazing. Yeah. I didn't study, though. So I don't know what it would have been like if I had actually put any effort into it. I took the AC, ACT for some reason. Okay. And like, it must have been 10th grade because I dropped out in the middle of 10th grade. You would, it seems like, I mean, obviously 1926 you is crushing it. I mean, I. You <laughs> yeah, would probably be really good. I do at test it. well. The ACT yeah. that, that I did. I take I don't know what grade or why I ended up taking it. Um, I did really well in it, and I also took a an ACT type cl- uh, serious standardized test when I was in third grade, yeah. and that's why I ended up in all the accelerated classes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, testing I always test well. Terrible student. Okay, be kind. Rewind. All right, so let's talk about the origins of the test, though. I said it started in 1926, but it actually has older origins in the form of Army IQ tests. Uh-huh. So in 1917, they developed these tests to help the army identify, quote, those of superior mental ability and those who are mentally inferior. (laughs) And then Carl Brigham was a known eugenicist and um, decided to adapt these tests. He did a bunch of tests, um, research into it and adapt them to test for, you know, college readiness to test for who would be. A superior person to go to college and who would not and he had some pretty negative ideas about people so you're gonna be upset about what i'm about to read because it's upsetting so he's he wrote a book called a study of american intelligence and in it he said quote the decline of american intelligence will be more rapid than the decline of the intelligence of european national groups owing to the presence here of the negro these are the plain nice. if somewhat ugly facts that our study shows the the deterioration of American intelligence is not inevitable. However, if public action can be aroused to prevent it. So this was at the same time we had Jim Crow and we had lynchings mm-hmm. and segregation. People obsessed with skull sizes. Yes. yes. And he also had weird feelings about people. <laughs> he liked superior Nordic races. Um, and he thought that people of the Mediterraneans of Southern and Eastern Europe were diluting a good white gene pool i guess he also said in his book quote the army mental tests had proven beyond any scientific doubt that like the american negroes the italians and jews were genetically ineducatable it would be a waste of good money to even attempt to try and give these born morons and imbeciles a good anglo-saxon education let alone admit them into our fine medical law and engineering graduate schools so he is the person who devised the first test in 1926 a few not. years after he developed the test, he reneged everything and said he was sorry and he'd messed up. And everything he said was scientifically unfounded um, and biased. So we have this problem where we have a racist test that was created with the intent to prejudice itself against students of um, not 
Nordic yeah, origins. Right. I guess. And, we're, we're and what even is that? Only yeah. talking Anytime. about men, right? Like women. No, yeah. women were taking it. Even in really? 1926, 40% of the testing population was women. And they did have yeah, women's yeah. schools. And... So it was, women were taking it too, but it was specifically apparently only Nordic students that should be admitted into American universities. Right. Um, So we have this problem with the test, and this still happens today, where the way that they create new test questions, because it's constantly evolving to try to reflect current education curriculums, um, they create secret sections within the test that are created of, like, test test questions, like fake questions that maybe they'd put in a permanent form in future iterations. And the students don't know. But what they do is they look at the tests of the students who scored well, who got near perfect scores and said, of the test questions, which one of these did they get right? Because these must be good questions because the good test takers knew the answers to these. And then they throw out the questions the people with the highest scores got wrong. And what happens in actuality is since the test lends itself towards rich, white, well-educated people with parents that were well-educated that went to college, like people like that, that score well on the test. The new questions they add in also are ones that people like that will score well towards, even though there are other questions that maybe black students or Latino students did really well on that white students didn't, that then get thrown out because they're not a model test taker and therefore it's not the right questions to be asking on the SAT. So the test gets harder and more biased every iteration. I mean, it continues to be. Because the test itself is already flawed and already skews itself towards um, the strengths of like a white, rich student. And when you're then selecting questions that work for those students, you're deselecting questions that work for other students who might still have strengths and be good college students and be bright all around. But, you know, and then the last thing I wanted to just hit on real quick is the Bush administration introduced the No Child Left Behind Act, which uh, created all these sanctions and loss of federal funding for schools but if you're working in you know a lower income area or an area with a lot of um, students of color or an area where you have a lot of students where English might not necessarily be their first language they'll do badly on tests and then the teachers get fired the schools lose their funding and the students continue to do even worse Um, so it's like this really nasty cycle now where it's very hard to do well on these tests because you don't have the support of the school around you or your family necessarily if they are not, you know, college savvy and did this themselves. And then you will do badly on the SAT, which you are required to get to get into college. <laughs> so you're self-selecting out all of these students who might have different backgrounds. In theory, then you could sit down and say, here's the test. I can study to the test and I can pass the test. With the, with the SATs, there is no learn this specific thing and do it. It is mm-hmm. Can you read this passage? Here's 45 passages to read, but you're going to get a new one on SAT day. So hopefully Mm -hmm. you've honed the skills. I mean, they've gone through sections where they've taken out sections of the test that required memorization to do. Mm -hmm. At this point, like you shouldn't have to memorize anything to complete the test. It's not like a list of, you know, you know, obscure words that you're going to have to write the definition for anything like that. And I think that's another reason why this isn't talked about more is because it feels like well if you're not testing someone's education it's not specific facts that they may or may not have learned at a school it's their intelligence almost yeah like, i mean this, this is an iq for college test. whether they can like reason yeah. it's more about who you are as a person than what you learn in school but again that goes right to the heart of why it's a problematic test yeah i just think the idea of having a test that people stress out about 
and it's mm-hmm. their entire existence when really all it's measuring is can you sit down and take a test and can you sit down for four years in a classroom and shut your mouth mm-hmm. and learn what you need to do <laughs> to go off into a workplace where you can sit on your ass for another 40 years. <laughs> can you do that? Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> so until we break we that, break it. Well, that was enlightening and depressing. Sorry. As these segments tend to be. <laughs> not Sorry. Because, but very informative. Not because of you, man. Did you listen was, to our first episode no with idea. the homeless people? That was a real oh, tough yeah, thing. And then the uh, abuse? Oh, man. Yeah. Now that was fun. Oh, don't tell me that wasn't fun. Oh, God. It's been so long since I had a decent spot of violence. Really puts things in perspective. So this episode's called Lover's Walk, right? Now there's a little bit of a contention on is it lover apostrophe s? Is it possessive lover singular? Is it lovers with an apostrophe? Possessive lovers? Uh, or is it lovers just plural? Where lovers in mass are walking, right? Uh, <laughs> lovers are walking would be a weird episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the German title. Lovers are walking. <laughs> Uh, so th- apparently the official unofficial title is lovers, plural, no possession, no possession, walk, which says to me, it's a declarative statement that lovers walk. That's what they do. They walk away. And that's, There's no gonna, period. Lovers I, walk away. It's like a street. It's lovers walk. You know, that's where oh, lovers it's like, go to walk. Like yeah. hanging I mean, out that's lane. kind of how I took it. Yeah. Like here's the parkway. Lovers parkway. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's <laughs> what it is too. But like when I read the little thing about lovers it being Boulevard. like a short declarative statement, Okay, well, that's pretty fucking dark. But everybody does, like, break up, so. Oh, God. Oh, God, Oz. We have to get out of here. <laughs> Who are our lovers in this episode? God, I hate that fucking word, and I've said oh, it so many so times in the last couple of months. <laughs> yeah, let's retire lovers. Not fun. Not great. Retired lovers walk. <laughs> done, done. We have multiple lovers in this. Okay. <laughs> I can't get away from it. You have to say it. We have multiple lovers walking everywhere so let's start with the with the major one spike and drusilla that's our that's our major reason for our boy spike to return i really didn't think this was his only episode that that to me is crazy so where do we leave him drew uh said that he was too soft he wasn't demon enough spike is super drunk when he arrives uh drusilla went to brazil and started flirting with somebody else chaos team a chaos demon, right? Do we ever Girl, hear from these chaos in demons? In Fool for again? Love in season five, we do a flashback to that scene, and it literally is a guy with antlers and slime all over him. So I was like, that is some continuity that Buffy does not do. Nice. Yeah. It and is fun. Spike shows up and then kidnaps Willow, which sucks and gets really gross yes. and really scary. Dare I say really scrapey? I did. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dare you not. And then, and then he just pivots immediately and he goes and has fun with Joyce. Get out of here. Yeah, you're not invited. He's crazy. He'll kill us. Oh, well, I breathe. Well, actually, I don't breathe. Joyce, listen to me. You get out of this house or I will stake you myself. You're a very bad man, Joyce. Hanging out. Sure Angel shows up, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then at the very end, he realizes uh, that he can't just spell his way to love. He has to be the person that Drusilla wants to love again. Now, of course, he takes that to being torture and mm-hmm. more... Um, you know, chaos and terror and things like that. That's fine. That's vampire stuff. But he does say, I may be love's bitch, but I'm man enough to admit it. He's not a man. Very. He's not a man. True. He is a vampire. He is. So I want that to be uh, clear. And then, of course, we get the mayor only for a second mm-hmm. where we talk about Spike. And he says the whole loose cannon rock the boat thing. This year is too important to let a loose cannon rock the boat. Should I, Mr. Trick, send a committee to deal with this? 
Loose cannon, rock the boat. Is that a mixed metaphor? Uh. Boats did have cannons. And a loose one would cause it to rock. I was going to yell this, but how many fucking shenanigans did Spike actually even get up to last year that the mayor would know about? Okay, so he does attack the school and then school hard, right? But then what? Okay, they destroy the church. church collapses. Yeah. Churches, yeah. Factory chaos. Yeah, right. I mean, that was actually Giles' fault. But yeah, the factory burns down. True. Mayor has a lot of abandoned buildings hanging around. And he that does. seems like his fault. I if I was that. a politician against the mayor, I'd be like, what, what's up with all these abandoned ass buildings around here? Yeah. This is a small community. Why do we have so many buildings? Why are they all abandoned? Filled why do our vampires. children? Why do our children <laughs> go to a club in the middle of the warehouse district yeah. that's sometimes close to the docks when it needs to be? Why does it keep moving, Mayor? Mayor? <laughs> well, yes, you know he was up to all sorts of shenanigans last year. We had a world of fun trying to guess what he'd do next. So I just think it's like three events, which is not nothing, but I don't know. I, I don't know that that warrants all short, sorts of shenanigans. You know what I mean? I, feeling that the mayor might just be like hip to the demon world that's what i think like he's too. got his like pulse his finger on the pulse of the demon world and is like has someone who maybe it's mayor deputy alan finch that mm. goes to um what's that guy's name trick trick no um, no they have the bar and we oh see, yeah the... she beats him up oh willie oh willie. shit willie. and maybe deputy mayor alan finch goes to willie's place mm-hmm. and uh just like chills with the demons and i was like so what's up what big evils of brewing i think willie. he kind of knows everything that happens yes that's fair i just had a bone to pick with shannon yeah that's fair that's fair the next relationship the next lovers walking are oz and willow what's this it's a gift what's the occasion pretty much you are well, then after that, he's, she's like, I don't have anything to give you. And then he says, yeah, you do. And I was like, that sex. No, I don't think that's what he meant. Do you not think that's what no, he meant? No, I think he just meant you're a great person. Oh. And that's what you can give me is, is you being a good person. Who's this is a very wholesome love. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think it was supposed to be sexy. Oh, her, I only thought that because her face just like got really stone. Faced. I thought she was going to like felt have guilty. a conversation. Yeah, it was just guilt. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. well, d- yeah, she was that like, makes oh, total sense. Oh, no, I'm making Alexander behind your back. I yeah. can't give you anything. I'm the worst girlfriend. Yeah, it's true. Because, like, be sweet to me? the sex thing is very much not Oz's yeah. brand. Plus, in two episodes in Amends, he, Willow makes a move on him and is like, let's do sex. That'll fix it. And he's like, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. I misread that. Yeah. Uh, then later, he and Cordelia team up. To go find them, and as we mentioned, he smells them, which is really creepy. Yep. Uh, and then walks in at the worst time, and may we never forget the very last scene of the show where he's uh, holding the, a guitar. The guitar, the sweet guitar pl- music, he is broke playing. into the bronze to play guitar by himself. But he's not playing guitar because he doesn't know how to play guitar. Famously, he's just <laughs> holding the guitar. True. They couldn't even mime him being the one playing the song over that. And then he's too I, sad. He's listening to music and he's sad. They're all listening to the same song. And I don't know if this is intended or not, but we get the nice heartbreak uh, to uh, a version of My Way, Mm -hmm. uh, which is done by Gary Oldman, who is better known for playing Sirius Mm -hmm. in Harry Potter. Uh, He was in a movie called Sid and Nancy about Sid Vicious, who was the basis for the Sex Pistols, Mm -hmm. who famously, and I don't know if this is true or not, I think this is more just like hearsay, he he was completely incompetent at his bass as well he played the bass it was unplugged every time they played so (laughs) i think that's just lore but perfect for you know us who cannot also play so wonderful that it just uh butts together did um, the sex pistols actually cover that song too or is it just for the movie i think it's i don't know i think it's just for the movie because they just have like the one album Mm -hmm. so no i don't think so also frank sinatra punk as fuck no that's not true (laughs) that's not true at all 
Cordelia. That was really good. Obviously, they were doing the two of them doing something very sweet and then feeling the weight of the guilt on their shoulders. And uh, so it was really good. And then, you know, Cordelia was worried about him having body parts chopped off. I wonder what body parts she's talking about. And uh, and then she falls uh, to her doom and uh, gets a rebar through her stomach. Sure does. Yeah, that's Sanders fault. This episode made me invested in their relationship for like one second because like even Xander just being mystified like, oh my God, this is real. Like, ah, I fucked up. This is terrible because I'm totally cheating on you. And I didn't realize that we were in a real relationship. And like they've been building that. They really have been Mm -hmm. building Cordelia. Like that's why it sucks so much. I feel so bad for her because she she doesn't strike me as somebody who to really open up. Like she seems to be really in control of her emotions. And I feel like. I mean, they haven't explicitly went into this, but I feel like she's probably had a spate of like short relationships with whatever guy of the moment kind of thing, just to keep up appearances more than anything else, not necessarily even to make herself happy. And I think she, for some fucking reason, picked Xander to be the guy who she's like, wow, I think I'm going to just actually do this. I'm going to actually put energy and effort into this and care about it. And then fucking instant, like not only emotionally destroyed, but physically gets fucking (laughs) crushed through the stair. Well, that was fine five I seconds mean, ago. That's but, another story yeah. altogether. But yeah, Cordelia really gets the obvious worst end of the fucking deal. The worst end of the rebar in this episode. Yeah. Well, I think this is great. Now you can leave and never come back. Well, I mean that in a positive way. Get out of Sunnydale. That's a good thing. What kind of moron would ever want to come back here? So far, these lovers' walks are very sad. Yeah. And it's going to get sadder. Sorry, Stacia. Xander and Willow no, are our next. No, they're not lovers. They're not lovers, but they Dare are I certainly... Wander. Dare you not. Xander and Willow bond over the SATs, and then Xander comforts her at the wrong time. Uh, They hatch the old friends routine that they're just close because they're old friends and they wouldn't understand um, just because Willow is freaking out about this double date and all the sweat involved. We understand that both of them have a kink. One of them is used rental shoes, and (laughs) the other is kissing earlobes. Look, we're just very good friends who like to hang out. Can I kiss your earlobe? No. Whoa, okay. No. Pez. So that's a lot of personal information <laughs> that we get. To stop the momentum, They she wants to do an anti-lust spell. And I'm glad they brought up Bother Bewitch Bewildered because, again, the show doesn't do continuity. Wait a minute. This is love spell stuff. You doing a love spell? No, of course not. This is a purely scientific de-lusting spell for us. I, I thought it would go better if you didn't know. Are you nuts? Or have you forgotten that I tend to have bad luck with these sorts of spells? He gets fucking knocked out twice. Same injury that Giles got right to the head. Mm-hmm. That could have, should have killed him. Should have killed him. Uh, nobody was there to call 911. Nope. Uh, Willow is then, they're both kidnapped. Willow, at the wrong time, is comforting Xander. And they're making out. And they make a, quote, exemption for impending death situation. Never make those exemptions. <laughs> and then who walks in? They are significant others. Yeah. Caught in the act. And Cordelia almost dies because of it with those stairs Yep. that, I mean, literally broke apart in this concrete, nice circle down into where, like, why is this, where is this hole that she's in? But why couldn't you like go around the other other side of it? Where is this? classic hole under a stairwell. 
cool. And who called the cops? How did they get them out of there? They're in the factory. Sure, they don't come over to this side of town. The ambulances. Although I, Xander's like spider crawl down into that hole it was pretty impressive because like that was clearly Nicholas Brendan like doing some shit. Well, we know that Xander is really the superhero. I mean, no, Buffy's okay, right. but exactly. Xander really backs her up. It's true. And the final one because we have to Angel and Buffy. We're not friends. We never were. And I can fool Giles. And I can fool my friends. But I can't fool myself. Or Spike for some reason. Final lovers. Walking for the last time. Psych. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Giles is concerned that they're together and says not to be rash. And Buffy says there's not going to be a rash anywhere. Get it? Because they're not going to have sex. <laughs> not this time again. Although, surely they do again have no. sex. Mm-hmm. Never again. Uh, they do it in the episode of Angel then when they reverse time because he becomes human. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And then, of course, mm-hmm. they fuck a world into existence in season eight. Yes. Never forget. Angel is downright being a creepy Pete. That's right. Oh, my God. When he makes Buffy list the reasons to stay, that was the worst. And basically just to get her to say yeah. him. Yeah. That was the worst. And all I could think is that we had two fucking episodes where this was like benign and I was fine. And now I hate them again. It's quick. It's crazy how fast it happened. For me, the worst moment was him like sitting like a little kicked puppy waiting for her to show up. I was wondering when you were going to come back. Yeah. Like he has literally nothing else going on in his life. What the fuck? I mean, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't. He's yeah, just in a mansion he, for no reason. He can't go out. He's still like sick or whatever. I don't and buy He doesn't that. have any vampires. He's fine. fine. That's, why when, that's why when he gets taken down by the who, door, who I'm like, this bullshit. With? Who would he even hang out with? Who's he hang out friends, with anyways? Uh, who? Literally who though? He can't hang out with other vampires because they're like killing and stuff. He can't hang out with people during the day. How do you explain Go that? To but he goes to LA. Go move to LA now. Yeah. Move to LA now. Move to LA to be miserable alone. Get out of our face. I mean, he meets Doyle. He makes friends. He meets Doyle. I mean, he meets okay. friends. Doyle dies immediately. <laughs> yeah, but then Cordelia. But then Cordelia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the same people from this world? Yes. Because he can't make any new friends? <laughs> okay, I understand your point a little more. <laughs> <laughs> so those are our lovers. I mean, so I feel like lovers walk the whole thing. I think you together. One. Oh. What about Spike and Joyce? Oh. I felt like there was a little something nice. there. I think there was. She when was he showed up. Tea? I oh, mean, God. it was absolutely paternal and nothing else. Paternal? Sorry, maternal. <laughs> yes, Whoa. Joyce is a father <laughs> to Spike. <laughs> or even platonic, just their friends. Yes. Maybe yeah. that's why she's a better father to Spike than she is the mother to Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right. It's true. That was a sad walk. And uh, I think it, really but it was necessary. True. We had to do it. Yeah. Because our relationships Don't are now it. fracturing. So this is kind of the last time that they got to walk through the, the, the field of roses. Now the roses are on fire. And what comes next? Who knows? What's classier than bowling? All right. Let, let's, let's walk into yelling. Let's yell and walk together. Is this a lover's walk or not? I don't, a lover's I'm a, yell. I'm tired. Stasia, say something. The pier? Where is this? We've never heard of the pier before. Is that somewhere by the docks or the beach? Neither of which we ever go to again. Absolutely yeah, where, where and when the did that The pier sounds take like place? a fun thing that would have like a Ferris wheel, Ferris wheel and cotton candy and maybe Don't we get a perhaps lovers walking. Oh, nice. We do see a pier in Angel when Spike goes for the very first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the German Mara. Yeah. But that's a different show. Yes, so. it is. And that's a different, different location. City. Yeah. <laughs> I like to talk about the alternate reality wherein fate doesn't turn bad 
and Buffy goes to college. What would that look like? Buffy does go to college. No, out of state. That's what I meant to oh, say. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like she did go. Yeah, UC Sunnydale is real. <laughs> well, is it? <laughs> yeah. So, as I mean, real as the pier. Yes. <laughs> and I also wish that Joyce would have said something about Cleveland because that would be a fun throwaway for the wish. Just like mm. you could even go to Cleveland. I don't know. I just thought, but anyway, what 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 a show! What a show! I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> I don't think it would be great. <laughs> Speaking of college, though, where would she go? Well, it seems that Joyce wants her to go to two universities. Carnegie Mellon has a wonderful design curriculum. Oh, and Brown University's history program is... Do you like history, right? We'll talk about this another time. All day it's been like, congratulations, go away. That's not it. It's just you belong at a, a good old-fashioned college with, with cake parties and boys, not here with hellmouths and vampires. Not really seeing the distinction. One, Carnegie Mellon, which is in Pittsburgh. United States, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the United States of America, and wants to go for the design program. The Carnegie Technical School offered classes in design as early as 1915. It's one of the oldest technical design schools in America. It was the first to answer, sorry, it was the first to offer a master's in interactive design. Mm. Uh, It enrolls about 250 students only, so it'd be quite competitive for Buffy to get in. As a bachelor, she could pick one of three tracks. One, products which, quote, develops a deep understanding of the way products shape and inform human behavior and learn to design products and their interactions within the context of human needs. She could choose a second path, communications, posters, books, exhibitions, signs and wayfinding systems, websites, apps for mobile devices, brands and identity systems, kinetic typography and multimedia content. This I'm is sure multimedia would have been huge in 1999 super big third track she could take environments showrooms virtual spaces automotive interiors hospital rooms (laughs) workspaces where furniture equipment and devices work together to support productivity and enhance human experiments or she could go to brown university an ivy league school in providence rhode island usa she does have ivy league sat scores true but joyce bad mom doesn't know anything about her daughter and thinks that she's into history. So the history department, one of the oldest history departments in America, (laughs) part of the founding in 1764 to get a bachelor's Buffy would need two courses in, in the pre-modern era, six courses total two from unique geographical regions. So you would pick three geographical regions, two in each one of those. So two in Asia, two in Africa, two in America. And then she would need to do a field of focus and needs to go from classics like gender and sexuality Law and society, race and ethnicity. She could also do urban history, but I think she would probably go for something closer to home, comparative colonialism. You have no appreciation of primitive art. (laughs) And then she would have to do a capstone seminar, which in 2019 would include something like women in early modern England, Stalinism, something newly relevant, politics and culture under the Brazilian military dictatorship, 1964 to 1985. But of particular interest to Buffy, she could do the enchanted world, magic, angels, and demons in early modern Europe. Wow. She would breeze through that, and the teachers would be like, wow, star student Buffy, and she's like, I know. So those are the two options that Joyce is looking into. We didn't get any more fun schools or just naming things that Joyce thinks that her daughter could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, design and history, they're like, yeah, those are well, the exact same like things. things that Joyce would go to school for. If she could, but she can't, because <laughs> she had a kid, and her life was ruined. Right, right, exactly. Stacia? Um, I wish I wasn't attracted to you. Oh. Are you kidding me, Xander? Oh, that was the worst. That was the grossest line. Ugh. Ugh. Well, I can see why you'd be upset. That was my sarcastic voice. Almost as if you can't control your actions when you feel attraction towards someone. 
Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. My, that was my next one. Just barf all caps. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, Spike and Drew do. Spike and Drew do Brazil. Mm-hmm. Spin off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That would be a fun spin off. I'd spin-off. watch that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we couldn't do it though. They're so much older now. It's they true. could do it as like a later. Oh, Juliet Landau looks exactly the same. James Marshers does not. He does not know. We mentioned the hard cuts in this episode and they were fantastic. Uh, what moron would want to come back here? Cut to Spike. Uh, <laughs> what could go wrong? Cut to Xander and Willow talking about bowling. Uh, honestly, what's keeping you here? Cut to Angel. And then Cordelia um, looks like, oh, at the end. Uh, yeah, being Cordelia's a and dead. Cutting to a funeral scene. It cuts to a funeral Fucking scene in the cemetery. Amazing. So Cordelia's going to be okay. Amazing. <laughs> That's uh, the kind of humor that, exactly, like, yeah. man, those are really good, and that is so Zeppo. Like, yeah, absolutely. When we get to there, so yeah, I really I'm, wish we did more. Of that. Yeah, I really love that. Spike's hand catching on fire was hilarious. I love every single time he catches on fire. It's always fun. <laughs> just to piggyback on that, I had to look up afterwards. Can you just pour whiskey or vodka or whatever onto your hand to stop a burn? Yeah, to help you, right? Apparently, yes, it, it does have some antiseptic qualities, but they and they used to use during like the Civil War and like that era the 19th century uh the the liquor was so much stronger like mm-hmm. leaps and bounds stronger that you could actually do it and it would work like they used it in mm-hmm. more hospitals. like rubbing alcohol exactly it was more like rubbing alcohol so today they're like if i was in a pinch yes but otherwise but otherwise like it's really not gonna do sugar and bacteria I mean, do they even get infections when they're vampires though that's another that's a great question and then i also found a fun fact for giles on his retreat in the clearing and breakers woods right, right. You know, famously um because he just couldn't 45 be, minutes from sunnydale couldn't be in this fucking episode uh <laughs> a shot of whiskey in water can destroy waterborne illnesses um which uh one of the biggest waterborne illnesses which maybe even kendra had that one time uh is giardia uh-huh. uh also known as beaver fever <laughs> which causes oh. massive diarrhea so uh, <laughs> so avoid yes, that a little shot of whiskey it's, i'm helping save lives out here yeah our dog had giardia yes she did <laughs> beaver fever beaver apparently fever. <laughs> that's horrible the ingredients for a delusting spell cost 15 dollars and 80 cents in 1998 mm-hmm. but in today's dollars that would be a twenty-four dollar and fifty-one wow. cent delusting spell. Hey, that's a lot worth for it. a kid. Fifty-five percent increase over the last twenty years. Damn. And where did she get that from? Where did she get that from? She got it from Uncle Bob's <laughs> magic cabinet, and on the Amazing. bag it says Uncle Bob's magic bag because it's a bag. So yeah, apparently the original name. <laughs> but the store is not a cabinet. The store is not a cabinet. The original name for the magic box was Uncle Bob's magic cabinet. Which is fucking ridiculous. And people on the internet posit that, uh, what's his name, Mr. Fogarty, who dies in Real Me, which is why Giles ends up taking over the store, was possibly named Bob. And that's why it's called Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet. But who knows? But either way, this is not the Dragon's Lair. So one could contend that the Dragon's Lair still exists or potentially it is still supposed to be the Dragon's Lair or Den, whatever that store was called when Mm -hmm. famously the Orbethesla was purchased. Beautiful, yes. Yeah, either they were taken, or they ran, or maybe... You're having too many oars. Pick one. I don't know. Hi, Mark. Uh, is it... I think it's the same... Could it not? It's just a different dressing. It's like the same building, though. It all it all looks like if you just move the Well, this the also back. is not the same. It is absolutely on Maple Court, and it's supposed to be the magic box. However, the layout is not the same. When Giles purchases the store, there's a whole section... So, in this episode, they open the door, and to the left, there's a wall immediately. There's nothing there, right? It's just, if you're looking... Uh, so it'd be stage left, right? It's like if you're looking towards the door, there's nothing. It's just a wall. Yeah. But uh, in 
uh, when, when Giles purchases the store, that whole area mm-hmm. is opened. Yeah. So either it is the same building, which it, it is. It is supposed to be the same building right. at this point. Uh, and there's even that identifiable wall, that big domed wall that they kind of show of the exterior. Or uh, window, sorry. Big domed window. So it is supposed to be the same thing. So I guess he must have done a lot of remodeling after he purchased it. Or maybe Mr. Fogarty did some remodeling after the gruesome death of the shopkeeper. See. I don't know. I My question more is, what is it, who is this witch lady who gets killed? Is she a real witch or is she just like some lady who likes magic? Because this is like a real spell. So in theory, she knew how to mm. do the spell and it's real. But it, does she know that it's real? In which yeah. case, does Giles know that this witch is out there and why haven't we been like, hey, witch, can you help us fight some fight demons? I was wondering about that, too. Like, is she like uh, the witches that Willow runs across in college when all they're doing is like creating bake sales but not mm-hmm. actually doing right. magic? Or is she like actually a witch? In which case, why does Willow act like it's like so like casual to go into a magic shop and like sincerely buy ingredients for magic spells? Like she just assumes that person will be a witch and they'll have the answers. Yeah. And not some weird hippie with like a crystal collection and yeah. some incense. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting i think it, i think she's supposed to just be like a giles type where i know a lot about this stuff but i don't really think it's real whoa it smells like church in here no wait evil church it's it's a weird thing to think about in the scope of the entire show because like where is the line i mean shortly we're gonna get gingerbread where uh amy and the little goth boy uh are, are witches in the sense that they can do stuff right like they can actually I don't know, because Wicca is like a whole religion and the idea of like putting a spell, but doesn't actually, because we're thinking about it in our reality. Well, this is where we get to the seed of magic and we just can't go there. Not today. We can't do it. So, okay, that's a good enough answer for me. We can talk about it during Gingerbread and it'll be just as confused. Oh my God. Did anyone else see the fucking like Maleficent mask bust thing in the magic shop? It's behind Spike in a couple of scenes, but it looks like Maleficent, right? Like it's a bust of a pale woman with like a horn thing, but also boobies. And very bright pink nipples. Wow. Just in the shot. So much of the shot. You really didn't see that? I really didn't notice Oh my God. Maleficent bust everywhere. Just Lover's walk. Yeah. It was just really jarring for a WB show to be like, those are boobies. And nipples. Those are boobies and nipples. It's happening. You've said boobies way too much. Yeah. It's the same with lovers. It's terrible. Why didn't they just have a sign that said boobies with like an arrow pointing at it in the background? Wander. Okay. <laughs> Scream uh, stop, that. What are we doing? stop that. Also, stop that. At the very beginning, the first scene when they're talking about the SATs, Oz is wearing a shirt with the silhouette of a stripper on it, and it says showgirls and dancers. And I was like, this seems out of character and weird. Again, wow. WB, what are we doing? What are we doing? What is happening? So, I, my final thing is our watches. We, we set up a bunch of watches. We WB, need, we need to be good on these watches. So, uh, Xander buttoned down tank top. Did not happen. Didn't happen. No. Okay. Maroon jacket watch. No, I did not see it at all. Also did not happen. Nope. Uh, was Giles mean to Oz? Inconclusive. They were not in an episode together. Anya watch. <laughs> How do you know Giles wasn't having like smoke sniggles from Breaking's Woods? Just who, saying like, who, Oz, you're the worst. Is camping 45 minutes away from a major city legit? Yeah, totally. Okay. Because I'm just thinking. Uh, sorry, go, major city. You got that wrong. Sorry. But if you go 45 minutes in the middle of downtown Portland, you're still in Portland. You know what I mean? Depending no. on traffic. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Depending on traffic. 45 minutes, you can get away. Yeah. You can get down. You can get close to on, on Hood. From here for 45 minutes, yeah. If you're west, south. you're you're in the fucking mountains. Yeah. Less than 40. You get on 26 and you're just in the woods. Okay, fair enough. I, take it's I mean, a if thing. you went from downtown and got on 84 and just followed it, you would immediately be into like no man's land once you got past I, And I airport. think that anybody counting the time, I would never be like, 
I live in downtown Portland. When I say 45, I mean a hard 45. I mean when I get out of Portland. Uh, like, yeah. I'm now on a trip okay. to go camping. Yeah. Right. I'm 45 minutes away from gotcha. the city center. So she doesn't yeah. mean from Maple Court. From, from Maple Court. No, she does not. <laughs> uh, Anya Watch. Next episode. One more. You got one more. Wesley Watch. Okay. <laughs> no. Devin Watch. It's not his name. Oh, Devin is his name. I need to I need to own up to my mistakes. I've been calling Devin Dylan for the last two episodes. I blame... Uh, Bob. Bob Dylan for that, and specifically Daniel. Do you think of yourself primarily as a singer or as a poet? No, I think of myself more as a song and dance man, you know. Through Bob Dylan for that? I will, Daniel Dylan. Daniel Dylan. I will take I will take the blame for that. So, But Devin Watch. No. No. Uh, Buffy Bang Watch. What do we got? So, they improved. Yeah, they actually darkened her bangs. So yeah. they essentially disappeared. Well, not really, because I mean, they're, they're about lighter. to disappear. Yeah, they're still, they're still lighter, lighter, but they're not as like offensively. But they, uh, aren't white anymore. Yes. That's good. They We're decided partners. that making her look like she was graying yeah. was maybe a little too so much. So they're like, okay, so they're too white. We need to darken them up a little bit so they're more of a natural hair color. And they're like, oh, so, God, you know we what? can't fix it. The answer cut is them cut them off. Them off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Sarah Michelle Gellar would have ever let them do that. I don't know. Maybe she just like fell asleep with gum in her mouth. And then, <laughs> and then the hairstylist was like, I don't know what to do. I can't get it out. <laughs> All right, we will keep a, an, an eye a watch on that as well. Deputy Mayor Alan Finch watch. Hell yeah. First time. No. Amazing. I mean, the first time since we instituted the watches. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> first time since Faith Open Trick, maybe. Oh, no, he was in Band Candy for a second. We wasn't. started doing this only a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Uh, the police had a hell of a time covering it. Spike's magical shop thing. Okay. Uh, the police. Weird mention of the police from Deputy Mayor <laughs> Alan Finch. Very weird. <laughs> and again, we never talk about the police, so it's always kind of jarring. Uh, and then I, I created two more things. I got interested in the streets <laughs> thing. So I just named it Streets Ahead because I, I want to understand the streets <laughs> that make up Sunnydale. So far, we have Crawford. We have Ravello. We've got Main Street. We don't Maple know the Court. name of it. Maple and Court. now we have Maple Court. No, no, Maple Court is Main Street. Oh, shit. All right, so we're still at three. So never mind. And then the final one, you made a point last week to say, is this Giles' most dangerous KO of the show? So the current number one KO is him being bludgeoned by Gwen Post. Correct. So we're going to keep that as our most KO, and we'll just update it every episode. Obviously, in this episode, N.A., but we'll keep a watch on uh, yeah, how, how severe. Yeah, of him this week to no. not be knocked out. Yeah, I know. But how Gilesy was Giles? There's only one way to find out. But first, you can find us everywhere at BeatMePod, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, the anywhere else, website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com. Also, you can find us in our episodes on Spotify. When, if you're at Spotify, you can find a playlist that's going to contain every song that's available on Spotify that plays during the episodes, the actual episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as well as songs that aired during our episodes of this podcast, If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me. And you can find that at Beat Me Fun Time for podcast fun time something what beat me fun time playlist for podcast fans season three and it's real oh wow (laughs) i I searched it literally minutes ago and i didn't find it it must not be public (laughs) but it is real (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh let's rank this sucker before we all explode and die willow hacks we talked about the net slash something with witchy this way comes seven out of ten because she starts a spell but does not succeed in a spell so Harsh. I don't know. Mm. Giles is only in this episode for one scene that consists of maybe two minutes, but in those two minutes, he is wearing a tweed vest and cares about Buffy, and he's so proud. He's just so proud oh, of her. Oh, yeah, yes. I'm going to hang this on the fridge. I'm sure you, I'm sure Joyce will want to put this in the refrigerator. <laughs> no, no, she won't. Uh, so he gets an eight. Joyce, okay. 
I'm always ready for the heat. <laughs> Maybe I should skip this. <laughs> He's scrolling. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, uh, I'm going to skip over that and say Monster of the Week is Spike. Ten. Because mm-hmm. of everything. Uh, even his face morph. When I think that they did it cleverly. They, he shook his head mm-hmm. and it just happened. I mean, you can definitely, it does that thing where the background kind of stays stagnant so you know it's about to happen. But I still thought that was really well done. Uh, and all his dialogue and just like him just being amazing. 10 out of 10 for sure. Relationships. So this was hard. So I gave it a five because it gets to the highest of highs with the fucking Pezwitch scene and Cordelia and the pier and then gets to the lowest of lows. So I thought it could only be fair to put it right in the middle because both terrible and and great. Uh, okay, Joyce. So <laughs> I gave Joyce a six. Why? <laughs> I thought we were starting at zero. Start at zero. We, I did. I did. Okay. Let's just, think just about, what did she do? What, what did she do? Just really quickly, try. Tell me what she does. She is excited that Buffy got a high score on the SATs. Uh, so she's in, suggesting to her colleges that she should go to. She follows up with her even when. Oh, I forgot to bring this up. Who's <laughs> uh, Buffy working out by herself in training mm-hmm. was actually really cool because we don't do that very often. And in fact, that's kind of the whole theme of season five is her getting back to like training and doing stuff. So I thought it was neat to see her alone doing her fucking job like she's being responsible i don't know i thought it was really cool so anyway she calls buffy to check in like hey i wanted just to talk about who schedules a college you. talk who who does that <laughs> people who are busy with their galleries it seems like she really wants buffy to leave also she doesn't know anything about her daughter but having buffy home i, I thought it was going to make it all better but in some ways it's almost worse mm-hmm. yeah the the that was harsh, the line. Uh, you like history, right? And then she's like, honestly, what's keeping you here? I know. I know. That was harsh. Uh, but of course, I gave her points for being a good mom and Spike. Well, and then it just on a Joyce level, she was very funny, not only with Spike, mm-hmm. but I also really loved when Buffy showed up and then let Angel in and they're like over and Joyce what's is in the background. <laughs> well, just in the background before any of that happened, she's just she just mutters, oh no. <laughs> It's like, that's classic. That is so good. Oh, and also just her her hubris. Like, I'll stake you myself. Bitch, stop. Stop right now. But that was wonderful. But that has nothing to do with her being a mom. I know. I know. You have nothing to say? Are you done? Have I I broken your spirit when it comes to choice? (laughs) Well, I'm leaving it. I'll fight forever. Six. So episode specific. I mean, I maybe loves bitch, but at least I've been enough to a minute. How could you not? Ten of ten. And you'll shag. And you'll hate each other till it makes you quiver, but you'll never be friends. Love isn't brains, children. It's blood. Blood screaming inside you to work its will. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. So 46, which is tied for the other best episode of the season, which is Band Candy. So I actually put this above Band Candy. So it's going to be number one for the season overall. I just thought, I don't know, something... This episode, the way that the jump cuts happen, just the dialogue, everything, Spike, I just really, I don't know, I like it a lot. Band Candy is fun, but I think it's also that we don't have to suffer a monster of the week. Because while Spike is that role, and other than the little fight with the vampires with Lenny, like, we don't have a snake monster, you know what I mean? There's no silliness. It's really just talking about the relationships with our friends and how they're falling apart, and Spike is then a fun aside to that. So I don't know, I think it's better than Band Candy, number one of the season. Stacia? I decided to rank this episode number 10 out of 42. So below Halloween and Band Candy and above Nightmares and the Harvest. 
This feels so low to me. I don't know. This episode's so great. Clearly, I put it at number one. But why am I supposed to put it above? Everything. Passion, When She Was Bad, Prophecy Girl. Okay. All right. You make a great point. Welcome to the Hellmouth, Becoming. 10 of 46 hours. Fair enough. (laughs) Half more episodes than you. Yeah, there's also a lot more to go. Yeah, I have the... the You're going to do this. You do... It's Spike. He blows out your rankings. He does. You fucked up your rankings. Oh, you fucked this up too. Don't worry. And you fucked up your rankings Mm. with this because you're so excited to see your friend. Yes. (laughs) I am excited to see my friend. I didn't fuck anything up. 46 is high, but not the highest. It's out of 60, okay? There's so many points to be gained. Although, Joyce, man, I really have the worst ranking system because all it takes is a quick Joyce moment to really fuck everything up and bring down your score. Oh, whatever. You built in a lot of padding to you love it. Really you love whatever it. you want. You never change it if you tried. <laughs> uh, I'm going to echo Stacia here. I mean, I don't have, I have way more numbers than you do at this point, mm-hmm. but um, roughly the same. I mean, this is 57 out of 137. Mm-hmm. It's better than middle. It's not better than some of the episodes this season. Um, no, it, it's fine. It's a good episode. And it's a good, like, it, it does things that um, Band Candy doesn't do, which is advance the plot. A lot of the consequences of this episode actually matter. Whereas mm-hmm. Band Candy is, regardless if they remember or not, it's just a hard reset. Yeah. What, what even really happened? Nothing. Uh, the strength of that was purely on the writing. This was not only well written, but it was also really, really fun. But, you know, Band Candy for me was number 12. So I mean, it's hard because Band Candy is one of those episodes for me, at least that stands out in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like before we started doing it, it was one of the episodes I knew the name of. That yeah. one and Doppelgangland and Hush and Once More with Feeling. Like these are like top 10 episodes that like stick out in my head as like iconic moments in the show and Lover's Walk. While it's fun, I don't think about it like that. That's a great point. And I think that I would agree that I don't know that I would name this if mm-hmm. I was throwing in a top 10. Or, or you describe me the situation in this episode. I don't know if I, yeah, I wouldn't have known the name and I wouldn't have really been able to pinpoint where we are in mm-hmm. the season either. Like mm-hmm. I just wouldn't be able to get it. So it all works and the parts are really well done, but it's just not as distinctive as band candy. It's so simple. Even the Zeppo, it's just, there is no other episode like that. Whereas these dynamics continue on, mm-hmm. you know, so it just kind of gets muddled. Yeah. I'm sure next week we'll just have the continuation and that just means you can confuse the two and well, what's the difference then? Yeah, I think it's just this rewatching of Band Candy. I got really hung up on the Lacona stuff. I don't know why. It just like sucked me out of the whole uh, phrasing. That was a weird. <laughs> just like Lacona sucked out of a hole. Yeah. yeah, it just it took me out of the the moment of watching the show. So yeah. I think that this was was better for me. So well, look, things are. I'm growing and changing and learning and feeling and that's what it's all about, right? It's all about right. Okay, if nobody has anything else to say, I want to leave us with a special little treat. Right after Lover's Walk aired on November 24th, 1998, the, the WB started playing a commercial for 1-800-COLLECT, and it even was given a name, a Buffy Christmas, Buffy Christmas commercial. If you haven't seen it, you should do yourself a favor and watch it. But the whole idea was that actually sweepstakes that 1-800-COLLECT was doing, and you could win a little walk-on part on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Jessica Johnson did win this Little walk on roll, and she's an extra in the prom. How fun is that? This season with 1 800 Collect, you don't have to be alone for the holidays. And now, every completed 1 800 Collect call enters you in a Buffy Christmas sweepstakes. Watch a Buffy Christmas Tuesday, December 15th on the WB, and you could win a chance to be on Buffy. Sorry I'm late. You should have called. Keep in touch with 1 800 Collect. The more calls you make, the more chances to win. Your Christmas wish just may come true. But you have two weeks, two weeks, to 1-800-COLLECT. Make sure everybody makes your collect calls so that you 
could win a chance. And we want to recreate that magic. To be honest, if the apocalypse comes to beat me? Yeah, sure. Call 1-800-COLLECT every day and you can be on our show. Honestly, if you wanted to be on our show, it would take literally nothing. We're so lonely at Beat Me Pod everywhere. So what do you think Jessica Johnson is doing right now? I don't know. Because she's definitely, you know, our age at the very least, want, if not older. What does she look like? I've never noticed her Who before. Knows? No. She's in the prom. We probably don't know. And also, it's so blurry. How can you tell? <laughs> but we're going to look for her. We're going to look for we her. We will look for Jessica. Make sure. Go watch A Buffy Christmas to keep you warm for the next two weeks because we will see you for The Wish on December 8th. Stay tuned. So just say goodbye. Goodbye. Dan, say goodbye. Hope you everybody had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Oh, watch Pangs. Go watch Pangs because that's what... Happy Buff, Buffy thanks. What do you say? Thanks, Buffy. Have for yourself a wonderful thanks, Buffy. Thanks, Go Buffy. watch Pangs. Pangs. Only Pangs. I think that's You're it. You're giving right? them so much homework. Yeah. Yeah, Pangs and this commercial. <laughs> Get back to us. We'll see you in two weeks. Okay, bye. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That was so rough. Big, real cool.